Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 96 of Freight 360. Ben, four more to go to we're Centurions, man. I'm getting stoked. Road's about getting our, shorter on our way. About a month away. It'll be uh, early August. So, hey, welcome back to Freight 360, everybody. If you're new here, thanks for joining us for the first time. Make sure to check out all the other content out there. Leave us that five-star review. It helps us rank higher on iTunes. Today's episode is going to be all about marketing your brokerage and yourself. And there's a lot of different ways to do this. If you're licensed versus an agent, or maybe you just work for a larger company, and we're going to hit on all of them. Um, so, yeah, we're going to dig into it. But first, we got a quick, quick little sports rundown here. Um, I'm going to hit on hockey really, really fast here. Stanley Cup's going on. By the time this launches Friday, it could be over. Last I checked, uh, Montreal's hanging on by a thread. with a, They're down three to one in the series, so it could end. I think it, like tomorrow's the uh, – so that would be Thursday's the next game. But could could end soon. But the other big news in hockey – Who are they playing, by the way? Um, St. Louis? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. St. Louis and Montreal. I think so. Man, now I got to like double check myself here. I haven't been really watching it that much, but um, let's, let me double check here. Cause I know Montreal won in overtime the other night to, to hang on by a thread there. Well, didn't the blues win last year? I think oh, I'm sorry. It's Tampa Bay oh, okay. and they're playing tonight. Oh, I'm terrible. Um, Tampa Bay lightning in Montreal. That's how un connected I am from uh, hockey right now, but yeah, game tonight, Wednesday. So it could be over by the time Super Bowl and Stanley cup. Didn't Tampa win Super Bowl this year? They did. Yeah. Tom Brady. Speaking of Tom Brady. Well, first also 4th of July, terrible news there. The uh, blue jackets goalie, 24 year old. Did you hear about this one? Didn't they were at the uh, goalie coaches um, house for the holiday. And it was like him and another player. He got hit with a mortar in the chest and he died. So he was Whoa. still breathing after he got hit. And they had, there was even a nurse that was there and they called 911. They got there within a, like three or four minutes, got him to the hospital and he was pronounced dead. So tragic firework accident. They were somewhere in, I think, um, Ohio or something like that for the, for That's the holiday. horrible. Well, aren't the blue jackets Cincinnati's team? Say that again. Yeah. Where are the blue jackets? Aren't they an Ohio team? Aren't they in Cincinnati? Or like Columbus, Columbus, yeah, but they yeah. but they weren't um, they were somewhere else like at the guys. I think they were like yeah. out of town. So, Ohio is a huge state, right? So, but yeah, and That's he was terrible. in a hot tub. And apparently, when they the the mortar tube tipped over and started shooting him towards people, he tried getting himself and others out of the way and tragic loss. So, twenty four years old, so. Sad to hear that, that, you know, that's fireworks and there's danger to it. So it's, it's wild, man. I called all my buddies and let them all know all my friends up. That was my favorite holiday growing up. I always loved 4th of July, but I called all my buddies that had parties on Saturday and said, or Sunday and said, make sure everybody's got five fingers and five toes on each, each yeah. appendage by tomorrow. Be yeah. careful. We, we did fireworks here and at my, uh, in my neighborhood and no injuries, we did them safely and 
make sure any kids that were holding sparkers gave them a little safety brief, little army stuff. Well, those mortars are no joke. Like yeah. I remember the last time I was up there a couple of years, dude, we would get mortars that were the size of baseballs. I mean, that's yeah. a cannon. They're not yeah. exactly like the Roman candles of 30 years ago. Right. Yep. Very different. So in other sports news, the match was, I think it was the match number two, they called it. Um, it was last night, July 6th and Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady, speaking of, Tampa Bay, right? Yep. Faced off against Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers, who we've talked about Rodgers a couple times in the last couple of months on the, on the show here, who's st- still just loving life, living living life large with his long hair. And they were playing in, I think it was Montana. Really, really cool scenery. I mean, that, that course, they're just out there in the wilderness and the terrain was crazy. But DeChambeau and Rodgers uh, pulled off the win. I liked how DeChambeau had a nice joke. He, he in the beginning, he brought a roll of duct tape through it at Brady and said it just in case you rip your pants again, like, uh, like the charity match last year. So, well, interesting stat. I mean, in the first nine holes, I think they used, um, six of Aaron Rodgers drives. To they, used, they used five out of six consecutive holes. So in six yeah. consecutive holes, they used Rogers drive a lot. So I was watching it and what it looked like to me is that, um, Rogers would have a good tee shot and then the shambles the just go nuts. Yeah. So, uh, but dude, even there, the terrain, the elevation, like they, I don't, I mean, I played with you before. You've seen how unpredictable my shots are. Like I, I, I broke a hundred when we played, but I don't think I would have been able to finish that course without losing all my golf balls. So there's a course like that in Pittsburgh. We, we grew up and played on it. It's called, called grand view. It's on the top of the mountain that overlooks the Homestead steel mills. And like the whole wow. course wraps around the mountain. So you like, we would always joke. You needed like two dozen balls to even play the course because yeah. If you're a yard or two off a of fairway, it literally just falls off a cliff. It's fun though. Yeah. I mean, once in a lifetime. So if you get a chance to, to go out and play a course like that. So, well, good stuff. Well, today's topic, all about marketing your brokerage and yourself as a broker. But Ben, talk to us about our friends over at DAT. Take the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Take out the link in the show notes. We've got a free month to DAT Power, Express, and I... Trucker's Trucker's Edge. Edge. I always got your back on that. Yep. Good stuff, DAT. So marketing, why this episode? Well, I'll tell you, the one of the biggest questions I get from folks outside of the sales and operations part is all about how do I present myself as a broker? And we did a coaching call yesterday. And one, it was funny, one of the, one of the um, folks on the coaching call, which by the way, make sure you check out our group coaching. It's every, it's on Tuesdays, twice a month. We started a few weeks ago, um, but we talked about how do you start off a call? And, you know, we did a mock call and one of the guys on there and he's probably listening right now. So we're, you know, we're, we're talking about you right now, but um, you know, do you just, do you, does the name of your company matter? And, you know, some folks, like if you have a script from a large company, they're going to tell you, my name is so-and-so I work at ABC logistics blah, blah, blah. But Ben, you brought up a good point. 
is it necessarily the company that matters or is it yourself and how you market yourself? And I think that's why this is such a good topic because I've, I've talked to folks that they want to dump thousands and thousands of dollars and getting business cards and a website launched and getting flyers and all this stuff, you know, tchotchkes and stuff to get out to their prospective customers. And that's not necessarily the right approach to this. And I don't think it is. And I mean, this comes from years of doing this job and it's just that early on, it doesn't provide a whole lot of value. And there's something that always struck me and it was an interview on Freightwave or it was an episode on Freightwaves or Kevin and Dooner when they did the show together, interviewed one of the, um, one of the guy who used to head up all of shipping. I think it was Niagara bottling, but for the story, big it's a large, large shipper, yep. big shipper they interviewed and they said, Hey, tell us what it's like on your side of the fence, right? Like we always talk to brokers about how to prospect. What is it like from the shipper's point of view? And he point blank said, you know what? I never really cared who my brokers actually worked for because we looked at them as an extension of our supply chain. They know our operations. We know and trust them. They know our lanes. They are an integral part of our business. We don't necessarily care really what organization work. We care about the person and the broker we're actually working with. And I'd say that's pretty common. That's a pretty common takeaway in a lot of the here's some backup proof to that. If you're listening and you've ever moved a book of business from one company to another, whether you're an agent or you're an employee, the fact that your book of business would move with you is the proof right there. And the fact that there's tons of non-competes to prevent you from doing that is the exact reason why companies are very well aware that their customers are loyal to their brokers, not necessarily any company. A shipper wants to work with Ben Kowalski, not ABC Logistics. I mean, not that they they don't care about the company you work for, because there's a lot of criteria that goes into vetting um, brokerages from the customer standpoint, but it's the person that is working with you day in and day out and handling the issues that pop up and helping solve your problems for you. That's what really matters. It's not the name of the company that's on the wall that you work for. But I think, and I'm sure there's quite a few people that are listening to this episode right now because they're like, great, finally, someone's going to tell me how I can get business without having to pick up the phone and deal with rejection, which is the real reason most people want to spend more time and effort on marketing. I can tell you from like a coach's perspective, actually doing the job of working with these individuals, everybody wants to do that stuff because honestly, it's interesting. It's fun. It's engaging to design web pages and business cards and you know notebooks that you're going to send out or mouse pads and, and all of that stuff. Like I get it. You should be excited about all of the aspects of business. This isn't meant that these things are useless. It's just take it with a grain of salt because they care way more about your ability to source trucks and to know what you're doing than they're going to care about the name behind you is the yep. reality. Yep. I agree. I agree. Um, we're going to talk about you know some social media way, how, you know, kind of how to interact social media wise, how to engage folks that way. Um, and I, I will. I do want to hit on the website part because there is a time and a place when a website is a realistic um, need for you because there's a, a a sense of credibility as you grow your company. If you don't have a web page that you know people can't contact you or kind of see some of your work that you've done or. Um, you know, just kind of get an image for who you are. Um, but, you know, there's uh, there's more to your presence online than, you know, there, there's more to it than just your presence online, I guess what I'm trying to get. Absolutely. At. And I, the one thing I want to preface this discussion with is what are we really talking about? When you are going to prospect a shipper, anybody in any business, right? At first, they don't know you at all. 
So it takes a period of time to get them familiar and comfortable enough with you to actually do business with you. Now, a big portion of that, Nate and I just pointed out, is your ability, your ability to convey that information, to know things, to be able to talk about the industry. But the little nuances in regards to just familiarity with who you are and who you work for does have value. Whether it's sending an email in between your prospecting calls or having a website where when you do call them, what do you think the first two things they're going to look up when you call them are? Like you point out, website, LinkedIn page. Who is this guy? Who are you and who do you work work for? for? Yep. So let's talk email first. Okay. Two two big tips that I have. Number one, don't have a Gmail or a Yahoo account, right? If you're going to be emailing customers on a professional basis, you need to have a professional domain for your brokerage, all right? And on top of that, a professional signature for that initial uh, email. You don't have to have it on every single reply and forward or whatnot, but, um, and here's the deal. If you're an agent, you probably already have that taken care of. If you're an employee for a larger company or a mid-sized company, probably already have that. If you're a new solopreneur that's starting your own brokerage, I have seen way too many people that they either use an, a non-related old LLC email domain. Like I, mm-hmm. pe- hey, let's be honest. A lot of people that try to become brokers used to do real estate, or insurance sales or something like that, because it's a very similar industry, the, the business model, don't use your real estate email address to prospect and brokering. You can get a domain for like, what, 10 bucks a month, something like that. It's super, super inexpensive. It'll just help you come off as way more professional. And that email signature too, right? So it's, much more you know, credibility. It's just, it's just a super simple little tip right there. And what is that? I mean, let's talk through what should be in your email signature. You should have your name on there. You should yep. have your company's logo or some type of graphic representation. And why that is, is along with your domain, when they see your name, just that visual, just seeing it, it makes them feel more comfortable. You, yeah, that's recognition. getting recognition, right? Absolutely. You're building trust. You're, there is a subliminal aspect where the more often they're starting to see that company's name and your name, the more comfortable they are with talking to you. And yep. that's something with all human beings. Phone number, email address, website. And I'll tell you what I can't stand is when first email, if somebody doesn't put their phone number or something like that in there, I get so pissed because I'm like, I look through my emails and I'm like, what the heck is this dude's phone number? And yep. they've never once had it in their email. And I'm like, I have no idea how to call this person. Use my email. I use my email like my phone book. If somebody's like, hey, do you have so-and-so's number? The first thing I do is not search the contacts in my phone is I put their name in my email and just call them out of their signature. Yep. So there's a practical use for this as well. Um, You should also, not on your phone number, you should have your email address. Even though they have it there and they can see who you sent it from, you should also have it there in case they just need to check it. You should have your MC number in there. It's also helpful where you're operating out of. Anything above and beyond that, I think, gets to be a little lengthy. Yeah. I've seen people that will do, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but they will put in their email, um, you know, full truckload, and they'll break it down like van, reefer, flatbed, oversized, overdimensional, LTL, expedited, you know, 24-hour operation. Like, you can get a little too long at some of that stuff, but I will say it doesn't hurt to have a quick little slogan in there that kind of highlights who you are and what you do. Like, if you focus on open deck out of the Southeast, hey, put something in there about, you know, we focus on open deck in the Southeast or however you want to do. So, 
But yes. it's important. Yeah. And back to the domain, there's another real practical reason for you to have your company's domain is if you aren't aware, there's a lot of fraud in our industry. There's a lot of oh, yeah. fraud because there's a very low barrier to entry. You can go and get an MC, you can start a brokerage, you can fold it and restart a new one. So one of the things that even some of these services provide like My Carrier Packets and Carrier 411 on the carrier side is they vet email addresses based yes. on domains. Yep. So when you see a carrier have an odd email, like that's a red flag for a lot of brokers, but it also is for shippers because usually if you're going to be in business, you're going to go the extra, like Nate pointed out, 10 or $15 a month to have a legitimate email address. So yeah, if you, and remember your first time reaching out to these prospects, they don't know you at all. You are the riskiest person they're ever going to do business with until they get to know you. So all of these little things help build the impression your prospect is going to have for you before you're even on the phone sometimes, yep. which is why we suggest emailing your prospects the day before you call them to just it helps build that familiarity with the people you're going to be reaching out to. I want to add another thing into the email signature. So let's say you don't have a website. A great place to house information on who you are and what you've done is a LinkedIn profile. And yep. you could simply add a link to your LinkedIn profile there and someone can click in there and they can, maybe you've posted pictures of what you've moved or you've highlighted some, um, you know, maybe you got like a little brochure on your services, stuff like that, or just, just to connect with you in general, which we'll talk about LinkedIn and social media in a little bit here, but that's a quick way and a free way to not have to pay for a website, but still be able to showcase what you do. So absolutely. Actually, let's just get into social media then. I want to talk about LinkedIn. Okay. Um, Facebook, LinkedIn, even Instagram, because I'll tell you how people have done it well and how they've really screwed it up. Let's start um, with, well, what are you seeing? Let's, let's start with Instagram. I'd like your thoughts because we've never okay. really chatted about so this. So this is great. So I'll give you an example. An agent uh, of mine that I worked with at a previous company, she specialized in um, heavy haul business in the Northeast or Northwest. I'm sorry. And every single time, so she built up her Instagram followers by connecting with other people based on hashtags, hashtag freight, hashtag freight broker, hashtag logistics, repeal, all, you know, all that stuff, right? So she gets her network up and as she's doing it, she would post a really cool picture of all the loads that she was moving. Like, hey, I moved this, you know, 12 axle, whatever today, or I moved this, whatever with escort vehicles. And, and it's just really cool because if you're in the industry, it's always cool to see a really cool load like that. Mm -hmm. And she'd have like, you know, whether she put a filter on it or not, she'd have a cool sunset in the background or just the angle was good, but she would have her drivers take the picture and say, Hey, can I show off what you hauled on my Instagram page? And they'd like, hell yeah, I love it. Like they feel like they're getting some recognition, but she was doing that to give herself credibility as to the kind of freight that she truly is specialized in. Um, not to say that, you know, you can't really put a call to action in a, or a link in, a, in an Instagram post, but um, you can also share that on Facebook as well and put that in groups. And it just, it's really, really cool. And it kind of, after a time, people recognize the name. They're like, oh yeah, she's the one that always moves this stuff. And eventually if someone is, you know, having an issue with whatever that could lead to a, a lead for you, or maybe even a referral from another broker that sees it, but they don't necessarily know how to move that special kind of freight, but they're like, Hey, my friend, so-and-so that I've, you know, I've, been connected with for a little while here. She's really good at that. Let me see if we can kind of leverage each other and try to grow this account or this business. So 
That's my take on Instagram. Well, that's a really good one because brokerage is all about relationships, relationships with customers, but also relationships with carriers. And I would say the most underutilized one is relationships with other brokers. But it was the first thing that I prospected were new were other brokers. And and I'll be honest here. The reason I did was because I knew it was easy to have conversations with them. I knew nothing when I first started like everybody else. And I'm like, if I'm going to prospect people, I at least know how to talk to other brokers because that's where I'm spending all my time, right? I can have a good conversation about the market being tight and how to cover loads because that was the first thing I did in the job, just covered loads all day. So I'm like, I'll prospect brokers and we'll talk about tight areas and hopefully I'll learn what they're moving and maybe learn a little bit from them. And that's exactly what happened. But to your point, as a broker, if I couldn't move something or I didn't have the carrier base or it wasn't something I specialized in, I would use some of those brokers and say, hey, look, I know we don't have an affiliation, but call Jimmy at ABC Trucking. I know they has, they you know specialize in pilot cars and long haul, overweight, overdimensional loads. And like the customer doesn't care who moves it. They care that you help them. Jimmy helped them with that load. And the next time I talk to them, they're more than happy to talk to me about more business. Yeah. And another thing too, is let's say you, like, let's say me and you work at two different brokerages, right? And I specialize in LTL, you specialize in full truckload. And, you know, so maybe I've got a customer that has full truckload and I don't want to touch it and I get your help on it. And then you have a customer that you don't touch LTL, but you know, Hey, Nate is really good at LTL. You could kind of leverage each other that way. You're not competing against each other, um, but you're more so leveraging each other's expertise to keep your customers happy. So I'm never afraid to, even with like the agent-based brokerage, if I talk to someone who's not a good fit for my company, I am always happy to send them in the right direction to somebody else who they may be a good fit for. I am not not afraid ever to, to give a lead to a competitor of mine because I think that's just a good ethical way to do business um, and just be a good person overall. So I think it is too. And I think to then, um, the other point, um, as it relates to like Facebook, right? Facebook groups are a really good way to get free information to network with other people that are, that you can learn from, I think in a lot of ways, I don't necessarily know. And I, I mean, I can't speak from experience how much value there is in trying to cover a load through a Facebook group. Yeah. I know plenty of people try I to mean, do it. The data alone, there's how many millions of loads are and carriers are, are loads and trucks are posted on like a DAT per year versus Facebook. You just have better access to the market and a professional's um, program or offering or service like DAT. Um, So yeah, social media, Facebook is a different animal than LinkedIn. Honestly, to me, LinkedIn is kind of like a uh, trade show, whereas social or Facebook is like just a party and like people's attitude on there and just the way they talk tends to be way more, um, it's less professional. I mean, there's people that are professional on there, but it's just a different environment because Facebook has used dual purpose. It's like some professional, more so personal with your friends and family, whereas LinkedIn, it's literally a professional networking website. Well, to the same point, right? So I think there's more value almost in Instagram and Facebook as it relates to to your customers. Now, not marketing to people that aren't your customers, but I mean, if you can reach a level of trust with a customer, you've moved a couple of loads, you've had enough conversations about things outside of freight that like you kind of feel you've got that rapport. If you can add them to your Facebook and Instagram, 
like that goes a very long way with building trust and getting them more comfortable with you. I mean, it all depends on, you know, what you post out there. I mean, my Facebook page is family pictures and like activities I do with my kids. So I have no issue sharing that with my customers, but like, I'm still friends with my customers from years ago on Facebook where I see their posts. I know their kids, like that's the trust that goes a very long way, if not forever. And that is what leads me to what not to do on social media. Um, you got to realize if you're connected with these people, they can see what you write, post, or comment on, regardless of it's, if it's professional or if it's not professional. So yep. if you are going to put yourself out there in that kind of setting, Clean don't get into post. racy topics like, you know, politics. Like I, there was way too many people that I saw during the election cycle that I was like, I, I don't even want to look at, I don't even want them in my newsfeed anymore. Cause I'm like, as much as I like you, whether it's like someone I do business with or just a friend or a relative, I'm like, I can't, I can't stand it. Like I, it's not what I want to come on here for. Gotta stay away from inflammatory topics. Burn a bridge so fast by having the, the unprofessional posts on there. And I think that's probably the number one piece of advice that we can give you is that one, you should clean up any past references to these things. And you absolutely shouldn't be posting about politics, religion on LinkedIn. I mean, you do what you want, but I feel like if you want the value of being able to connect with customers, you need to be kind of vanilla enough to not offend anybody, which, hey, it's a free country. You do what you want but there's no way I'm going to be posting something political because you have no yeah. idea what your customers saying. And, and I'll be honest, like, I mean, I had customers all over the political and religious, you know, yeah. backgrounds. I mean, yeah. absolutely. That's there's more it. harm done than ever good by going on political and rants and whatnot. Can't, can't agree with you more. And the other thing too, is even take out um, topics like that don't spam people on LinkedIn or Facebook. Like just cause you're in a group, a Facebook group, don't have every single post that you put be like, Hey, you know, some kind of advertisement or like, you know, spammy kind of crap like that. You should be adding value in these groups and be adding value in your communication with people. And yes, if the, Everything if the conversation is going good or whatever, and I think Trey over at Lean, he kind of said it best. Like if he connects with somebody and they accept it, he doesn't, he, he won't do like the cold uh, in mail and just try to spam them. He'll connect. If they connect, cool. Start a conversation. If, the, if, you know, if they're having a conversation, then he might, you know, kind of lead it into more business conversation. And then if it seems right, sure. There's a time and a place for a discussion about prospecting, a, you know, potential sale or business relationship. But I get more spammy inboxes that I don't respond to. I just delete than I do actually quality ones. I will tell you when I do get one that is somebody that is kind of being spammy, but they came across as um, personable and they actually like, Hey, Nate, go bills. Like they say something that like, I know it wasn't a copy and pasted message. I will politely respond and say, Hey, I appreciate you reaching out and thinking about me, you know, this is not a good fit. And here's why. And I'll tell them and then, Hey, appreciate it. Got to be connected. But the ones that are like, you get that three paragraph long thing about here's our services. It's like, cool. Didn't ask for this. And if you even looked at my LinkedIn page, you know, you have, I'm zero fit for you based on what yes. you're offering. 
But I think that's important. That's an important thing to remember out there, right? Like marketing does not mean repetitive ads, hoping that somebody's going to buy. And I think this is where a lot of people miss this when they're creating posts and content is that what you're creating should always be adding value to your audience's life. Think about what would be valuable to the people you're trying to reach and provide that. Because the reality is, is marketing is very similar to sales. It's just, you're doing it to many people at the same time, instead of on a one-on-one basis. And in a one-on-one basis, you're not going to expect somebody to buy from you in the first conversation. It's going to be somewhere over five to 10. Well, the same thing with content, the first five to eight posts they're going to see, or the things that show up shouldn't be buy this, buy this, buy this. This is why I'm great. It should be something valuable to the people you're trying to reach, not to you. Yep. And I want to hit on two things here. Uh, I want to hit on the posting thing. And then I want to talk phone calls and how that also correlates. So our Facebook group, there have been so many, and I appreciate the members out there that report this stuff, but we have a clause, like a little rule in there. Like, don't be advertising for stuff. Like, and we let some stuff slide if it's relevant, but like somebody joins the page and their first post is like, drop a, your company name for a dope, unique logo. And it's like, you're not adding value or someone that their first post is like, join Shaggy's dispatching school. And it's like, who is Shaggy? Why? And what, you know, if you know anything about us, we, we offer our own training and coaching. Like we definitely don't want that crap on our page. Now let's talk phone calls, right? You, your phone calls as you're building rapport with your customers, you can be adding value and not asking for freight. That could be, if you know somebody's slow on a certain, like maybe maybe one of your customers just happens to have all their stuff covered by Friday morning and you know they're kind of slow Friday afternoon, but you know, depending on what customer it is, some are the opposite, but maybe you can have that 20, 30 minute long call where you just shoot the shit about what's going on in the industry and what you're hearing from other customers of yours and you're giving them value and you're adding value to that relationship, even if you're not moving a load for them right at the time, that's another way to market yourself. I can't, and I can't stress that enough. So I mean, it's valuable information, right? Putting yourself in your prospect shoes or the people you're trying to reach and thinking, what would they, what would they find useful that they're not going to have access to? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's just it. And a lot of that is going to be their, you know, other shipper, even think about your, your customers, like their competition can still be your customer, right? Maybe you've got a, you know, a, someone who makes widgets and there's another person in the city next door that also makes widgets very similar. And you can share a little bit of industry knowledge of what, Hey, this, you know, my other customer over there, this, they're dealing with a lot of this stuff. Are you guys having the same kind of issues? And there's value add there. So, um, I want to talk about websites just briefly here. Cause we said, you know, you don't necessarily need a website, but as you grow, I do find value in a website to do a similar thing of LinkedIn, but for your entire organization where you can highlight projects that you guys are doing, services that you guys offer and specialize in. Um, I don't like the dinky little brokerage websites that all look the same with the same free stock photos. And they say they can, you know, we do everything. It's like, well, you obviously don't have a niche then you're the people that say we do everything probably really aren't doing a whole lot of anything. Um, but I love being able to, to showcase real photos of loads that you've moved of your staff, your employees having fun, the kind of the, the, you know, the enjoyable, whether it's a family feel that you have, or maybe you're more of that corporate environment that has like your corporate, um, you know, outings and stuff like that. Maybe you did a charity golf tournament and you had some 
shippers or customers in town or whatever, you know, you guys at a trade show, you can highlight what you and your team are doing, projects that you guys have worked on. Um, but also in there, you know, you can have testimonials from folks and highlight shippers that you've worked with and what they've said about you. And you've got to ask for those testimonials. But Ben, like you said, if you've got your, your company's domain and your email and they're going to, in, or in your email signature, and they're going to click on it. They have to have something to look at. Don't have a website with nothing on it. Those are terrible. Or they just have a get a quote for them. Those are pretty bad too. Yeah. And I think what's really important in honesty, like I, I mean, I worked for a brokerage that had all of these different things on their websites and all of these online offerings. I think at the end of the day, I mean, when I looked at all the brokers that made the most there that were what you would consider, I guess, the most successful, we're not using the website, but right. what we're using it for is credibility. Like, hey, yes. it's there if you need it. Take a look at it. There's some cool stuff there. But the reality is, is why we're working together is because you and I are talking and I understand what you need. Like, yeah. that's the window. Well, let me hit on this too. And this is part of growing your brokerage. When it comes to hiring, you know, a potential new broker that you're going to hire and train, they're going to look at your website before. Yes. Well, at least I hope they do. And I remember when I worked for LDI years ago, like it was like 2014 when I started there, their website was kind of dinky and they ended up, they brought in a marketing expert and built a team around them and they built a, a, a really nice website. And um, with Pierce Worldwide, I've, I've helped create uh, a really good page and a section um, for us with, you know, our agent program and whatnot. And I can't tell you how many times people say, I looked you guys up. Your website looks awesome. looked like a really great company and there's testimonials on there and people share their experiences with what they've loved about it. There's a statement from the owner of the company and the founder who's, you know, his father that started it 40 years ago. And that stuff brings credibility in hiring as well. Um, it's not just about Huge. customers, but um, yeah. So it's not it's always just customer fun. focus and carriers too, right? I want to talk real quick, just one more bit on the, the website part. If you can create a part of your website that may be a shipper or a carrier portal where they can go in there and maybe um, you can add value by they can see the loads that you have available that day, or they can submit PODs and documents, invoices that way. Your customer can see their due out invoices and aging on there. And again, this is all with when you're scaling your company. It's not, you don't have to spend the money day one when it's just you cold calling, trying to get shippers. That is all down the road marketing techniques, right? There. Well, I think your website, I mean, it's your storefront now. Like nobody's driving down the street and looking at your business. We're not looking right. at, actually billboards are still one of the most effective pieces of marketing content anyway. But I mean, like we don't look at physical structures for the most part. We look to their online presence. Like that's what you want. And I mean, like my opinion, same as yours, like it should look professional and should go maybe one to two pages deep, if that, which shouldn't cost you any more than a thousand. Like, I mean, in all reality right now, it's really cost effective. You should be able to see a tab for what you do with your carrier side, as well as your customer side, and maybe an about you page or your team is plenty. Less is more. And I think what you're going for is more like the feeling. Does this feel professional? Does this, does this, do you feel this makes other people feel the way you want them to feel? Right? Like, absolutely. Um, so like you said, your website is your on, it's your storefront essentially, but there's, there's other things too, right? So think about online reviews. Okay. And I want to talk about the two sides of it. There's the getting the reviews. So how to get them. And then also there's the, how you should Bonding. respond to reviews, right? So, and these can be Google, 
They can be on the load boards like DAT. There's plenty of reviews on brokers on DAT. And a lot of times they're really, really bad because people are more likely to, to bitch about a company than say, hey, Attaboy, you did a great job. Um, also, comments on social media that maybe tag you or your company in a post. Um, so first of all, it, there is a massive amount of value in getting reviews. It builds credibility, but also helps paint a picture of who you are as a brokerage or as a broker. Um, that can be asking your customers to leave you a review, asking your carriers to leave you a review. Um, there is, I know in the past people would try to do like, Hey, we'll raffle off a gift card. If you leave a review, there's some legality behind that. Now, I don't know if you can pay to play in that realm. I don't know if that's kind of considered that, but you know, folks that you've done good business with, they will be happy to leave you a nice review if you have, um, you know, done good by them. And the best time to hit them up for review is right after you've done a good job for them. Don't ask them a month or a year down the road, ask them right after that project you just finished or right after that load, you just got last minute recovered for them. That's a great time to ask for that review. Um, or you're now, leveraging a lot of things that, right. You're leveraging oh, yeah. reciprocity. You just help them out. You're leveraging guilt. There's a lot of psychology behind when and how, but the number one reason people don't get more as many testimonials as they should have is the same reason they don't get as many referrals as they should have. They Not just simply don't ask, right? Yeah. When you're doing something, say, Hey, you know, after it's done or you picked up a load or you helped them with a fall, once things settle down that day though, say, Hey, you know, do you mind if I send you over a link real quick to just jot a quick testimonial? Sometimes like I will actually like help them kind of write it. Like, like, oh, because that's the next thing. They go, well, I don't even really know what, it, what I would say. You have to kind of lead them down and say, hey, look, I'm just looking for you to just kind of point out that you guys were in a dire situation, didn't know how you're going to get your load moved. And we were able to help you solve that. It would be really helpful for our other customers to see that. Yeah. Carriers too. Same thing. You were able to line up one of your customer's loads with one of our drivers that wanted to get home for the holiday, wanted to get that backhaul and you're able to get it done. Right. That shows that we're not just focused on our shippers. We're also focused on our partner carriers as well. So now I want to talk about responding to reviews too. So whether it's positive or negative, I think you should respond to all, if not as many as possible um, of the reviews. Uh, I think I've mentioned this before. So a lot of, like I said, brokers going to have negative reviews on load boards and things like that or on Google. Even if it's a negative review, you should address it. And if possible, if there's wrongdoing or an unhappy care that maybe something bad happened, do the best you can to make it right. There are so many bad brokers out there that, that do the wrong thing and have a bad reputation. Just don't be one of those. Be the one that if you can make it right, you can turn that relationship around. Absolutely. I mean, I look back at all of the things that I thought were going to be catastrophes as a broker and every single one of them, if you keep your head down and you work through it to find a resolution. They were always the situations that like built the most bonds I had with my customers. Like on the other side of those problems, like there was just so much trust because oh, yeah. you stuck through it and you were there. And sometimes the outcome honestly wasn't great. Like some of the outcomes were worse than what we expected. But you went it through it great, together. But we were there together. And there's something about going through I, I kind of, I hesitate to use the word like, um, like an emotional situation or like, but it's true, right? Like when two human beings go through something that is like 
emotional yeah, or negative or risky situation. significant, right? Like that builds rapport. Think about any, like uh, uh, any stories from your brokerage career. A lot of the times those stories had have to do with those, like those situations that they were, they were significant, right? You don't remember the, the easy load I covered that Tuesday afternoon that I made a hundred bucks on. You remember the, oh my God, I, we had this crazy project and three trucks fell off. Then there was an accident and the customer was pissed. They almost lost their customer. The driver went AWOL on us. It's those are the ones that you remember. So, or the days you're you're trying to work and cover a load for a customer, and it's six forty five, and you were supposed to leave at five, but like you you said, hey, like I'll stick this out with you. I'm gonna do what I can. I can't promise you, but I right. will stay here until you guys go home to see if we can get a truck. Like it's really standing at the side of your customer that shouldn't absolutely. be surprising. I mean, it's, but it is. It, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So in a nutshell, marketing, remember, it is not just the company you work for, the services you offer. It's you as a human being, you as the individual and how a customer feels about you. So, And if you ever do plan on moving a book of business from one company to another, if you don't market yourself, it will not follow you. Because some customers will say, I don't care where you go. I'm I'm still working with ABC Logistics. That's I've been loyal with them for years. Uh, whereas the other customers that... I don't care where you go. Just tell me where you're set up and I'll make sure I get your customer paperwork filled out. So goes a long way. All right. Uh, we got some Q&A. got a couple questions here, but first got to give a shout out to our friends over at Lean Solutions Group. We already already talked about Trey before. Trey does a great job with, with sales and marketing overall. And um, that organization, Lean, can, they can do a whole lot for your company as well. So if you're looking to market yourself a little bit better, as we're talking about on today's episode, they've got a whole marketing division there that can help you out with getting a, a website built up or work on just different ways to get your brand out there and, and have it better. But they also offer the, the staffing and the sales side to help you grow your brokerage and put bodies in seats. Check them out at leangroup.com. There's a link in the show notes. All right. Two questions here. The first one, what is the average profit in a month for a broker? Um, this question came from somebody that was new to brokerage and was curious, hey, how much is a you know somebody doing on average and, and all that? Um, it's a super vague question and there's a very, very big variety of answers you can give here. Um, average? I mean, the ones I'm going to, I'm going to knock out the folks that don't succeed and I'm going to knock out the top like five or 10% that are just, you know, the outliers. I would say as an individual average, I'm going to 15 K a month, Ben. I mean, what do you think? 10 to 20 K a month for a single person average, not the high producers and not yeah. the you know new yeah, ones. Somewhere. I think it's right around there. I'd yeah. say 10 to 30 K. I mean, it's a pretty yeah. wide range. I'd say about 10 yep. to 30 K a month in gross profit, meaning that's what's left over after you paid your carrier, but not paid the rest of your bills. Yep. So like agents, I'll tell you a lot of companies, if you're not doing at least 10 K, they won't even talk to you. I'd say the average agent that I work with is um, closer to that 25 to 30 K um, by themselves before they even hire somebody on. And then obviously as they hire, you know, they've got more capability to grow that. Um, I, I have a guy now that he was doing 40 K and with, and this is within his first year before he decided he wanted to be an agent and do it on his own. Um, and the reason he grew that fast is because he put in, he told me the days that he was prospecting 200 calls a day. That was his personal goal that he set for, I mean, think about that 200 calls a day. If that's your goal that you personally set. And I could tell you his company 
is not the one that set that goal for him. But on his slower days, he's still doing 50 to 80 calls a day. So that's how you're going to get to those big GP per month. kind of. My favorite quote that I think really drives that home is luck equals when preparation equals opportunity, right? Like preparation, preparation meets opportunity, right? Yeah. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity, right? Like, <laughs> because I mean, the reality is, is he created his own luck, right? Yeah. The more opportunities you have, the more likely you are to be successful in a shorter amount of time. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I would say W2 side folks that have been there for like a year to two years, a lot of them are doing like, you'd be like eight to 12 K a month. And I know a lot of companies, if you don't hit that benchmark and they might measure it weekly, if you're not doing two, three, four K a week, they're going to say you're not meeting our standard. And uh, maybe they'll move you to a, like an ops role or something like that, where you're a better fit. Um, or, you know, they might tell you, you know, you're out of your hiring class. We're, you know, cutting the folks that don't make it to this level. And that's just realistic in a lot of companies. So well, it's 4k a week average is all over 4k a week at a lot of the big brokerages, 16 a month. Yep. So makes sense. All right. Next question. How do you quick pay carriers without a factoring company? Um, and there's a caveat to this because I think there, there are some, I think someone even said in the, in the, they might even send the question, like um, some carriers don't want to accept quick pay from a factoring company. And I'm not going to on that, but so if you're not using a factoring company to assist you with quick pay, you have to be able to cash flow it. You have to have the money available. Um, now, as far as how to actually do it, Venmo, EFS, <laughs> you, can do, you can do an EFS, you could do um, Com Data has contracts, or you just yeah. ACH the money or send a check. Well, usually if it's quick pay, you're going to like ACH or send it some other way, like EFS, Com Data, Com Check, whatever, the, you know, whatever it might be. So um, yeah, but quick pay, yeah, always a great value add to offer to your carriers. So. Yeah. Ben, how's the week been for you around the industry, man? Been doing well. I'll tell you the one tip that I wanted to wait till the end of this, just because I know some of our listeners will listen all the way to the end and some of them won't, is that I know most of the people probably tuned into this episode to see how they could close more customers, like I said at the beginning, without picking up the phone that more. And I will say that the one thing I've seen this week in the industry, as well as over the past few months, is that you can actually get some prospects to respond to emails and onboard you as a broker with very little phone calls at this time. If you are sending effective strategic emails to um, dispatchers within shippers um, all the way up to like their procurement manager and you ask good questions and you do provide value, now is one of the times where I've actually seen people build successful books of business with less cold calling than they normally have had to because they're yeah, so yeah. busy and they just need trucks that bad. It's a very, very good point. Plus, think about it. If you're on the phone as a traffic manager, you can still be monitoring your email at the same time and seeing what comes through. So it's a good one, man. It's a good point. It's been, uh, I'm going to give you guys the, the the FEMA rundown here. It's uh, We're officially in hurricane season here. We had that tropical storm Elsa come through. So if you're on the FEMA side right now and you're set up as a um, transportation provider for them, this is when you got to start being on top of the ball. And sometimes you've only got two to three hours to get your, your ducks in a row and get your bid in there and, you know, take advantage of this stuff. There's a lot of moving parts in the, in the FEMA emergency disaster type of freight, moving water, moving supplies, pre-positioning stock for potential expected 
hurricanes and whatnot. So it's a good time to do that little tip there for you. So good stuff. Any, uh, any overall final thoughts on marketing and, and all that stuff, man. I, I mean, I think from the general standpoint, like you, you need to have some website, you need to have a professional put together LinkedIn page so that you'll look more than like the one line, like put a little bit of blurb about you, a professional photo. Those are the two things your prospects are going to take a look at. And if they're legitimate, along with what, you know, you and I pointed out your email address, having a real domain that gets you over the first bar right? Like, all right, this guy's probably worth talking to or hearing out, right? And that's all you're really trying to do at that level of a sales cycle anyway. My, my add-on to that is the professionalism in how you write your emails and how you speak on your phone calls. And if you're texting with customers as well or carriers, that will go a very, very long way. If you write poor emails or if you speak with poor English on the phone, that can very, very quickly make that email get deleted before it's read or that phone call hung up on before you even get to talk in business. Well, the other thing that always helped me with the marketing side was when I worked at one of the larger brokerages, we used to talk a lot and I had a good relationship with the person that handled inbound leads to them, right? And you're talking multi-billion dollar organization, right? And you would think that a company that big that spends that much on general marketing, outreach, and just people that know who they are, you'd think like a lot of new people in the industry is that people are going to call them and say, Hey, I have this business. Help me with it. It doesn't work that way. Nope. It doesn't. I mean, the big brokerages wouldn't be constantly trying to hire people to get on the phone to ask for business. If marketing got you to the success mark in and of itself, but they don't. And there's a reason for that. Yeah, I agree. You know, this is a little bit of an aside, but um, I had reached out to a company has to be almost three weeks ago I wanted to check out one of their products as it relates to brokerage. It's a tech tool and I won't name the company or what they do, but most companies that I've reached out to, to ask for, you know, Hey, can I see your product or can I talk to you about it? Same day or the next morning I can get on the phone and see a demo. This person passed me off to someone else who does the scheduling, who passed me off to someone else who was going to run a demo on it. And like, I'm actually supposed to do a demo tomorrow. I'm about to just cancel it and be like, Sorry, I already talked to six other companies that <laughs> offer what yeah. I'm looking for. So don't be slow in your responses. That all it's all part of marketing. And, and you know, it's your image is how your company operates. So if you're slow to respond to a voicemail or an email, or if you respond unprofessionally, you talk unprofessionally, it's a direct reflection upon how you would potentially do business for them. So final thoughts. Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.